Shalom, Reverend John Ferret again, and we are in the continuing series, The Gospel According to Moses, and the book of Exodus. We're in podcast 47, but since we're studying the Ten Commandments right now, we have extensive lessons here at podcast 47, and uh, indeed we're trying to go in-depth on the Ten Commandments itself. So we're on lesson eight as we continue our Torah study for Christians, and in this series we're continuing with the book of Exodus. Now we've been studying Aseret HaDevrei Yahweh, the ten statements of the Lord. We are not studying Aseret Mitzvot, or the ten commandments. As we've seen in previous sessions, in previous lessons, there's no such thing as the ten commandments in Hebrew. It's a total mistranslation by the church back in 1500 AD. They basically took the Ten Statements and said, well, really, they're Ten Commandments. The translators then saw only do's and don'ts. They only saw commands. But God only used the phrase, Aseret HaDevarim, Ten Statements. Thus, we're not going to study just the Ten Commandments but we're going to be studying all of the words of Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, because these contain the Ten Ten Commandments. And Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, are the Ten Statements. And in them, we find those do's and don'ts. We're going to keep the commandments themselves in the rest of God's Word, in the textual context. And this is going to result, you guys, in enhancing and enriching our understanding of the commandments. So it's especially true with this commandment, number four in the Jewish or Protestant list. You'll remember that the Jewish uh, people, the Protestants and Catholics, all have separate lists of the Ten Commandments. So with the Jewish and Protestant list, commandment number four, or in the Catholic list, commandment number three, is to remember to keep the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Now, already we see some major problems. In the Catholic list, they say keep the Lord's day holy. They do not use the very words of God. They've actually made up their own verse. They don't use the word in Hebrew, Shabbat, which we understand in English as the Sabbath. They use the phrase, the Lord's Day. And this has come down since the Roman Church has changed this to mean Sunday. But the Lord's Day in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament, always, always means the end times. Always means the last days. It means the coming of Messiah. It has nothing to do with Sunday. So, the Catholics deviated from real scripture to justify Sunday. Now, the Catholics claimed that they changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. And they called Sunday the Lord's Day. And as I mentioned, it's a total misuse of Holy Scripture. And the Catholics, they will continue to defend their view based upon their tradition, but it's a view that, in a sense, 
is really unscholarly since it dismisses the real Hebrew meaning. Now, the commandment is, you shall remember the Shabbat. I will be using the Hebrew word for Sabbath, Shabbat. You shall remember the Shabbat and keep it holy. So the word remember there is Zachor. The Strong's number is H2142. And it does mean remember, but it also means keep in mind. In other words, you get the impression of the Shabbat should be something that is really part of life, and you just don't all of a sudden remember it at the last minute. It's something that's part of your life. You keep it in mind. It's something that's always there in the back of your mind. And it's a command not to rest, but to keep it holy. So when we take a look again at Dennis Prager's commentary on the Exodus of the, ra the Rational Bible, the Exodus, his commentary on the book of Exodus, he has a comment on this. And I believe, again, Dennis Prager is trying to teach his people, Jewish people who practice Judaism, as well as Christians, because we share the same Bible, at least the portion of it, and that is the Old Testament. And Dennis has a lot to say with regards to this idea of keeping it holy. So from his book, The Rational Bible Exodus, Prager says, the careful reader will note this commandment does not say, remember the Sabbath day to rest. While work is prohibited on Shabbat, our primary aim on the Shabbat should not be to rest. It should be to make it holy. Holy in Hebrew, kadosh, means separate or distinct. In this case, separate and distinct from the other six days of the week. Those six days are, one could say, the secular days of the week, while the Sabbath is the holy day. It is a day elevated, as the commandment goes on to say, to God. Now, it's a day. It's not a church service. It's not going to church. It's 24 hours. It's a period of time. Therefore, we cannot just rest on the Sabbath. If we were to stay in bed from Friday night until Saturday night, Though we would have certainly rested, we would not have kept the Shabbat because we have to keep it holy. In fact, holy work is permitted even though it's still work, but the work has to be related to making Shabbat holy and therefore permitted. Conversely, while shopping is hardly work, it is not related to making Shabbat holy and therefore, from Dennis Prager's position, would violate the command to make the Sabbath day, Shabbat, holy. An interesting statement on our culture in terms of how Christians go out on Sunday and it's a big shopping day. They perhaps consider, well, I went to church, I did my 40 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, we sang some songs and prayed and listened to a sermon. I'm all done with the Sabbath. No, you're not. Because it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with church. It's got everything to do with the 24-hour period of time. Now, in context, however, there's so much more. From Matter of fact, let's consider the historical setting. The historical setting, if we take these verses 
and try to remember where this happened. The commandment is given to the Hebrews at Sinai, and they're just coming out of Egypt. They were slaves. <laughs> they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't have any days off. In Egypt, in ancient Egypt, they had a 10-day week. They, so they had three weeks per month, and each week was 10 days long. And day 9 and day 10 were their weekend. So every 10 days, they had two days off. But the Hebrews are slaves. It's probably unlikely that they were allowed a day off. But now God, the Lord God, is commanding them to have one free day and to treat it very special. And they're free from everyday work. They're supposed to stop. Now, this didn't happen to them in Egypt. There were no gods there who helped them. There were no gods there that seemed to come and try to have mercy on them or compassion on them. So for the Hebrews, this is a huge cultural shift. Here's God, and they're coming to know him as the God, the only God. Is so intimate with these former slaves. Now this is perhaps related to Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15. And here Moses at the end of the 40 years of exile, you know the 40 years of wandering and not exile but wandering, he repeats the Ten Commandments and God inspires him to add some additional words that help us understand the, the fullness of Shabbat. So in Exodus chapter 5, verse 15, we read, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your, uh, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Shabbat, or to observe the Sabbath day. So the thing is, is that this is a reason to do the Shabbat. They do this and they remember that God is their Savior. God is their Deliverer. He saved them and delivered them from the bondage of slavery. But for Christians, you'd say, wait a minute. We recall Jesus saying in John 14, verse 15, if you, if, if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> you guys, when he said that, there was no New Testament. His disciples who heard him, and this was done in the upper room the night before he died, all they had was the Torah. Well, as they had the entire Old Testament, but the thing is the Torah were the main books of the Bible at that time. And here's Jesus saying, keep my commandments? Which ones? And they say, wait a minute, Jesus is Savior. He's Deliverer. And for them, back then, it is likely that Shabbat takes on an added meaning. They remember the Savior and Deliverer of the world. The Savior, Savior and Deliverer of all people. 
Now, the commandment itself is verse 8, but there are some other verses here, 9 through 11, that are all related to verse 8. Again, we're putting the, the, the commandment about the Sabbath in its textual context. And we could say, okay, in verses 9 through 11, how does that add to our understanding of Shabbat? Again, putting it into its textual context. Now, Shabbat, the Sabbath, is a major biblical concept. It is critically important. It is so big. It's so big, we're going to spend this lesson and lessons 9, 10, and 11 just on Shabbat. So let's begin. Let's consider the phrase in these verses starting in verse 10, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of the Lord your God. It's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. The seventh day. What's interesting is the way our world today determines days and weeks. We can't escape it, you guys. It's directly related. And it comes right out of Judaism. It's directly related to the way the Jewish people determine days and weeks. We can't escape it. No matter where you are, if it's Wednesday, the Jewish people would say the fourth day of the week, it's the fourth day of the week or the Sabbath week in Israel. In Israel, if it's the first day of the week, we would say Sunday, the day after Shabbat. <laughs> it's the same for us outside of Israel. It's Sunday. The day after Saturday, worldwide. The world calendar in the 21st century is based upon God's way of telling days and weeks. This is amazing. Because you have to, have to ask yourself, seven days in a week, where did this come from? There are those who say that the Hebrews stole their seven-day week from the Babylonians. In ancient Babylon, they had a seven-day week. Right now, I believe it's the only ancient culture that had a seven-day week, except for Israel. Now, there were many Jews who were exiled in Babylon after 586 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor of Babylon, invaded Israel and destroyed the temple. So there are liberal scholars that say, since the Jews were there, they took the seven-day week out of Babylon. However, there's a major problem with this. The seven-day week in Babylon was determined by the moon. Determined by the new moon. Now, you know that the average moon cycle is 28 days. Well, it could be 29. It could be 30. It's not always 28. The moon cycle, therefore, is roughly four weeks in ancient Babylon. So in ancient Babylon, day a month starts on day one of a new moon. When the new when they see the new moon, that's day one of a month. So day seven would be the Shabbat. If the Jewish people were using the Babylonian calendar, they would see the new moon and say, "Okay, that's day one. We'll get to the seventh day. That's Shabbat." Day eight would be the first day of the second week. Sunday, that would be the second Babylonian week. And if we get to day 14, day 14 of a lunar cycle is always the full moon. 
So you'd say, wait a minute, day 7 is a Shabbat and day 14 is a Shabbat, which means the full moon would be a Shabbat if the Jewish people were using the Babylonian way? The Babylonians tied their 7-day week to the lunar cycle. If the Jews borrowed the 7-day Babylonian week, then the beginning of every biblical month, like the month of Nisan or the month of Kislev, the beginning of every biblical month, the beginning where they see the new moon, would be the first day of the week for the Jews and us. Did you hear that? Every new moon would be the first day of the week for the Jews and us, according to the way we do it today and the way the Jewish people did it in Jesus' day and even before. And every full moon would be a biblical Shabbat. Every full moon would be a Saturday. Now you think about it. It's very easy to check that full moons do not happen always on Saturdays. Hardly ever. Once in a while. The biblical Sabbath week is not tied to anything in nature. No way do we have a full moon that's always Saturday. So you guys, on Shabbat, it's as if we enter a special time, 24 hours designed by God. We stop our daily works, as he did. By the way, Shabbat does not mean rest. It means to cease or desist. Now, the, the word rest in English, if you really study it in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, rest could mean, yeah, lay down and take a rest and get a, take a nap. But rest also means like, um, give it a rest. In other words, cease, stop, desist. So we can see how the translator used the word rest not to mean lay down and sleep. Total mistranslation, total misunderstanding of the Sabbath. It means to cease, to desist. Once again, we have lost so much. We're in a time that's not connected to nature. It's not connected to any natural cycle. Just as God, the creator, is outside of nature. He created it. His appointed time is not connected to any cycle in nature. It's as if time stands still. It's just like being with our Father who lives beyond space and time. The whole world the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the evil, Christians, religious Jews, non-religious Jews, atheists, Muslims, Buddhists, Satanists, every one of them, they're all affected by God's Shabbat. We're in it. It happens weekly. We can't stop it. It's for all people, whether they like it or not, whether they believe in it or not. This is a picture that God is over all nations. It's a picture that God is over all people. He's king of the earth. One question we might ask is to say, why do Shabbat? Why get involved in this 24-hour period? It's not about going to synagogue or attending church. Nowhere. 
in the Bible doesn't say you have to have to attend synagogue on Shabbat or church. There's no commandment anywhere in the Bible that we have to go to church on Sunday. It's not about some obligation to spend 45, 60 minutes, 90 minutes singing and praying and hearing a sermon. It's not about a church service. If you take a look in Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 3, no matter what version of the Bible you have, it talks about God's feasts. In actuality, the Hebrew word is moed. It means appointed time, like a date. So taking a look at the JPS Torah commentary with regards to moed, and the Moed, that is Shabbat, let's consider the scholarly Jewish view of this. These are fixed, my fixed times, the fixed times of the Lord. Notice, these are not the fixed times of the Jewish people. These belong to God. Which you shall proclaim as sacred occasions, or holy occasions. The Hebrew term Moed, set time, derives from the from a specific root, which means to set or designate a time or place. The dates of the festivals and the regularity of Sabbath every seventh day were set by God, and yet the Israelites are also commanded to proclaim them as holy, as sacred. These two acts are not contradictory, but rather complementary. The sanctity of Shabbat and the festivals is not achieved by God's act alone. It requires a combination of divine and human action. We are to keep it holy. God created it. It requires both of us. We join with the Lord on this day. We're connected to the Lord in this 24-hour period. So, it seems like the first reason to do Shabbat is God wants us, God wants to be with us in a very special way, all day. We are to remember he gave us this day and we're part of it. And it's a weird day because it's not connected to anything in nature. When did this all start? Here's a fascinating question. What day was the first Shabbat in the Bible? You can't find it. But you talk about speculation and you talk about scratching your head. <laughs> what was the first Shabbat? It's not related to the Babylonian culture. When did it start? Now a second reason is verse 11 in these verses on the Shabbat here in Exodus 20. And in verse 11 we read, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord God blessed the day, and he made it holy. So we do Shabbat to tell the world about God. We lift up his name, Yahweh. We tell the world that he is creator. It's on a day that's not connected to anything in the natural cycle, totally outside of nature. We tell the world of the Lord, the creator, he who made it all. And he is Lord of all the earth, as we read in Psalm 47, verse 2. And all the earth is his. 
Psalm 24, verse 1. This is so lost on most Christians. As we come into the seventh day, as we come into our calendar, even today, the way we do that, we have a picture of God controlling all the earth and nobody can escape. Nobody can escape this. We do this as a way to testify to any and all that Yahweh is God. Yah, the Lord is God. And only Yahweh. Now, all people across the earth, they're probably committed to some sort of worldview. All people are committed to some way of saying, this is my source for truth. In other words, here's the banner that I follow. So on Shabbat, we are able to proclaim that the Lord is our banner. Matter of fact, we are under his banner and he is our banner. You've probably heard the phrase Jehovah Nisi. I won't go into it right now, but Jehovah is a completely mistaken word. It doesn't even exist. It was a mistake made by a monk back in the 16th or 15th century A.D. Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. Adonai, Adonai Nisi. The Lord is our banner. Now a third reason, now I just kind of mentioned it just previously, in Deuteronomy 5.15, the Hebrews remember that God is the one who brought them out of Egypt. He is their savior and their deliverer. And so for us, a third reason, the Sabbath is to bring Jesus into it. He's our savior and deliverer. John 14, 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then all they had was the Old Testament. So the disciples then on Shabbat they would remember God, the Lord God, the one and only God, who is their deliverer and their savior, bringing them out of the bondage of slavery out of Egypt. But they would say, wait a minute, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Adonai, Jesus is God. And he's the savior and deliverer who brings us out of the bondage of sin, Jew and Gentile alike. So for us here in the 21st century, we know that there's a church tradition that says, for many uh, in the church, that Sunday's the Sabbath. So what I wanted to do was to just bring up the elephant in the room. <laughs> the elephant in the room is, I ask the questions that no one dares ask. How did it change? The church says it's Sunday. Well, wait a minute. In Jesus' day, Jesus did the Sabbath on Saturday. And that's the elephant in the room. Nobody, nobody will touch this. How did it change? Did God change it? Is it a biblical change? Malachi 3.6, God says, I don't change. But did he? 
I get the impression from Christian scholars that, yep, Jesus came along, he changed everything. He changed God's mind. Well, wait a minute. Jesus is God. How does God change his mind if the Bible says God says, I don't change? Did God really mean that Shabbat was Sunday and not Saturday? Now, I've studied this historically. And based upon my study, the number of things that I found. Number one, that the church changed the Sabbath, the Roman church. It's quite clear. The Catholics are kind of right in their, in their statements that they did it. Well, they came out of the Roman church before it became what we know as the Catholic church. So my historical study results that here's a second aspect. The change seemed to stem from an intense hatred and prejudice by the non-Jewish Christians against Jews and Judaism. A third thing that I learned in my study is that the Bible verses used by the church to validate to change dismiss the historical context. This drives me crazy. Now, in a lesson later on in the future, I think lesson um, 11 in this series, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the exact verses, the three main verses the church uses to validate the fact that the Sabbath should be Sunday. Fourth thing that in my study that I've observed today, most Christians have no idea of this history, the history of how it changed. They stand on, tr on tradition and not in real history. In all of this, I know many amazing Christians who hold that Sunday is the Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, but I also know many amazing Christians who also hold to the fact that the Sabbath is the biblical Sabbath, like many Messianic Christian groups. But also from my experience in both groups for years, I find that in Sunday churches and in Messianic Christian congregations, they don't study the Sabbath. And both groups are so void in their understanding of understanding it, its purpose, and its importance. For me, after this historical study, I do the biblical Sabbath to express my love to Yeshua. And on Sunday, which is a non-biblical day, God doesn't command anything to be done on the first day of the week, is to remember the resurrection. There's no command by the Lord to do this. But when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I won't read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but in verse 17, for instance, Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And again, related to the resurrection, Verse 32 of that same chapter, If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow 
we die. Jesus rose on the first day of a Sabbath week. It's the resurrection. So Sunday for me is to celebrate and rejoice on the first day of the week, the resurrection. So I will see you in the next lesson. It's a video lesson. And we'll deal with the topic, why is the Shabbat the most important of God's feasts? Why is the Shabbat the most important of God's appointed times? Bigger than Passover. Bigger than Yom Kippurim. Bigger than any of them. Shabbat is a big deal. And something something that few Christians today seem to grasp. And I promise you, you won't hear much of what I'm teaching in the church. So some, so come and study and consider the Sabbath. His appointed time. It's a big deal. Now there is the high priestly blessing. It's called the Aaronic blessing. You can find it in number 6, 24 through 26. And Jesus is our high priest. And I've taken the Aaronic blessing and I've turned it into a prayer. A prayer to ask Jesus to lift his hands over us and to bless us and keep us. Yevarekenu Adonai Veshmarkenu. Yair Adonai Panav Alenu Vekunekenu. Yisa Adonai Panav Alenu Viasem Lanu Shalom. Beshem Yeshua Adonenu. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and may he give us his shalom. In the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.